idea what we'll do. Welcome, my friends, to this charming tableau. Have we got a show for you? Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Strangely and Friends, the podcast. I'm Strangely. This is the podcast. The friends will be along in a moment. I am recording this at the Edinburgh International Fringe Festival in Edinburgh, Scotland. This is the, I think it's the 71st annual Edinburgh Fringe Festival. It's it's incredible to be here. This is the largest gathering of performing artists on the planet. More on that later. First, uh, I want to comment on something in the current cultural zeitgeist, but honestly, uh, last week I was at the Subdued String Band Jamboree, and this week I've been in Scotland. I honestly don't know what century it is, uh, so I'm going to make a guess at something that's happening. Um, yeah, there's a movie with Morgan Freeman and Gerard Butler that came out, I think, this week, uh, called Angel Has Fallen. And I think it's the third one in a trilogy of like dad action movies that I've never seen any of. So uh, there, that's a thing that exists. Uh, I've commented on something in the current cultural zeitgeist. Let us speak of it no more. Things will be a bit different for the next couple of weeks because I'm going to be recording these episodes while I'm on tour in Scotland and then in Southern California. There'll be less of the regular segments, but I hope you folks still enjoy what I've got to share. I'm not going to be commenting on the current zeitgeist <laughs> as much because uh, I'll just kind of be out of the loop. And honestly, like, you know, the news can be a little strange and, and tough to take in sometimes. You know, I, I, it's okay to take a break. I, I started working on this podcast more as a break. Um, and... You know, this is this is a safe place for that. If you have been feeling crushed by the news lately, I, I feel for you. I you know, I was out in the woods last week and I, I came back to civilization for a day and heard some of the horrible news and I just I, I it all happened at once, you know, a whole week's worth of awful stuff and it just made me think of of, of this story. So I'm gonna tell you this instead of talking about specific news. Uh, many years ago, a dear friend of mine, who is quite a bit older than me, told me something that I've never quite let go of. We were throwing down beers like they were going out of style and we didn't want to be caught holding one. Too bad that there was always another one appearing in our hands. The fact that we were in one of those beer halls in the Czech Republic where you had a tap at your table and a leaderboard of how much you drunk helped not at all. So my friend turned to me at some point and said, you know... It never stops. And I said, what? And my friend said, all of it. That seemed almost a bit too much to take in, so I suggested, how about it all doesn't keep not stopping tonight? So I said, check beer hall. And my friend agreed. Take care of yourselves, folks. Don't feel bad about taking a break. Sometimes that break is what will give you the strength to change the world tomorrow. It will all still be coming, and hopefully we'll all be shoulder to shoulder meeting it together. Anyways, let's do a show. Strangely recommends in 200 words or less, including these 11. 
I don't need 200 words to make this recommendation. I think three will suffice. Kristen Allen Zito. If you need more words, um, she's great. Go listen to her music. It's on Bandcamp or Spotify or wherever cool young kids get music. Her crowd work during the Underside of Heaven at this year's Subdued String Band Jamboree is one of my favorite live performances I've seen all year. I don't know how many words that is, but dang, if it's not all I need, she's just, she's awesome. Go get those albums, friends. Do it. So even though I'm at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, this next interview is a chat that I recorded at the Mission Folk Music Festival in Mission, B.C., it's one of my favorite festivals that I do all year. I, uh, I go to Mission BC every summer and I get to MC at their festival and perform music. And they do this thing called workshops where they put you on stage with a band you've never even met before and expect you to play a set. It's absolutely delightful. So this past year I got to play with Octopus. That's Octopus with a K. They are a klezmer band from Montreal. They're wonderful. And uh, a man named Jeff Burner, who I will talk about on a later episode of this podcast for sure. He's an angry, klezmer punk, uh, social justice-minded accordion player. I, none of those words describe him accurately, but he is delightful as well. And we just had a great time. We, we did pile of accordions and, and all kinds of fun stuff, and it was great. I also got to see some incredible music acts, uh, including Irish Mythen, who just blew me away. I, I, I am such a difficult person to please if all you have is a guitar. I, I just generally don't care that much about guitar or a soloist playing guitar and singing. It's just not my thing. I mean, there are a few notable exceptions for me. Uh, Megan Yates is someone that I will always watch play guitar. I can't recommend her highly enough, but I've never seen an act come out and completely dominate a giant festival stage with just a guitar the way Irish Mythen did. I, uh, I caught up with her after... Uh, her show and asked if she would talk with me on my podcast and then we she said yes but we both got really busy working at the festival uh, you know because we were both playing on nine stages and all kinds of things and we finally caught up for a little chat at the very end of Sunday right before I left the festival and we were both just dead tired but I I just am so over the moon that I got to talk to such an incredible artist uh, so here's my chat with Irish Mythen Okay, so I'm recording this live at the Mission Folk Music Festival, MFMF, here in beautiful Mission, British Columbia. I'm sitting with Irish Mythen, who is an amazing singer-songwriter and really a fantastic uh, solo performer. And uh, I just wanted to chat with you a little bit about your music and where it comes from and that sort of thing. So uh, thank you for chatting with me. My absolute pleasure. My absolute pleasure. Um, first of all, yeah, what a what a wonderful f- festival, what a wonderful setting. Uh, we're looking out uh, as the sun starts to go down over this beautiful landscape, so it's hard not to be uh, positive in, in such an area. But uh, yeah, I first started playing when I was around 15, and uh, 
didn't really know what I was doing um, until probably about 10 years later because um, you just keep you just keep trying to write and a lot of the stuff I was writing about was really self-indulgence and unimportant and you know because you don't you don't really have a clue what you're doing until you've done it for quite a while mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah and I just realized that the genre I have a very very big voice it's a it's a, it's a very yeah big and broad <laughs> um, so there was plenty of genres that I kind of could have gone into but I felt folk the folk genre allowed me to to deal with issues that I really wanted to talk about so LGBTQ plus 2A issues and uh, uh, you know uh, appropriation issues and, and uh, social justice issues and all that kind of stuff so um that was really what what took me into into the folk genre, and uh, yeah, I think you have a responsibility as a songwriter if you're going to take people's lives and people's history and write about it. You have a responsibility to do it correctly and and, and, and to do your research. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing worse than giving people, you know, bad uh, uh, bad information. I, one of the reasons that I was really excited to chat with you a little bit and also sort of share you with, I think, a lot of the folks who listen to me who wouldn't be aware of you otherwise, mm-hmm. um, is that you you are you're 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 speaking about issues and you're singing about these things that are, are very some of them are still very raw, mm-hmm. open wounds, and yet there's a there's a humor and a, a kindness to it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to say a gentleness because you no, can't yeah. be gen- it's not gentle but sure. it's kind to yep. rip that bandaid off and it the humor of it is just. It's fantastic. Thank you, thank you. I think that stems from as well is, uh, it, it stems from there's a very fine line between uh, preaching at someone uh-huh. and and you know singing to someone, um, and I hesitate to use the word education and stuff because that 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 comes across as very uh, well kind of borderline condescending. I'm not I'm not educating people. That's not that's not where I'm going for. But it's very fine line between hitting someone over the head with a subject and and then just going hey did you know about this because uh, this is worth this is worth doing your own research in and <clears throat> and I think I think that's why I I'm lucky as in the the humor comes naturally to me um, and I absolutely vibe off the crowd and and so I'll see some something happening you know 400 people back and I'll and I'll take that and I'll bring it into the show kind of thing and um, and so it's an easier way of them then going home and, and going, actually, I'm just going to Google that on the way home, mm-hmm. see what, see what that, that subject was about or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's getting that balance correctly um, between the hitting someone over the head so they feel like, hang on, it's Saturday night, I work hard Monday to Friday, I just want to relax, I don't want to yeah. get preached at. Uh, and, and then having a bit of humor and getting them to, to, to research the actual subject. So, yeah. You you mentioned that you have a, a big voice, yeah. and I I just I you were you were getting set up and you know solo performer with the guitar you know what's this gonna be yeah. it, and uh, <coughs> and there's there's about twenty seats to the right stage right yeah. off the stage like yeah. in the back area where the performers mill around and get ready and things yeah, yeah, yeah. and there were kind of about twenty people milling around. And you started playing, and the first note came out of your mouth, <laughs> and twenty butts went into twenty chairs, yeah, right on, and just right just parked lovely. it. Lovely, lovely. Th- that there was a there was one moment you're talking about someone who's four hundred people back or whatever. There was a moment last night where where you were performing, and there one there's you know the drunk guy in the beer garden, mm-hmm. uh, and 
you just interacted with him yep. for just a moment and you you and yet while also keeping everyone else entertained absolutely absolutely that that uh that sort of like playing with hecklers and things yeah. i i do a lot of that mm-hmm. as well and people draw a comparison to stand-up comedy yep. with that but for me personally i would never go out without the accordion without a ukulele without right, right, something right. would would you ever just get up in front of a group of people and talk about these things that are important to you or are the songs like a crucial part of it for you no not necessarily if i was out like i mean it's it's a, it's a difficult one to answer because i've been asked to do a lot of panels uh-huh um, at uh, conferences and stuff, mm-hmm. and I do them, and that's all just talking. But you're also got a, you've got a built-in crowd there as well with your with your conferences because people know what the what the panel is about, and they're there to learn more. So again, it's it's kind of like as I was talking about today from stage, it's like preaching to the converted. Yeah. Uh, we all feel good about ourselves when we leave these things because we're surrounded by people who are very like-minded, mm-hmm. um, which is not a negative thing, and I'm not saying it's a negative thing, but we have to. Uh, uh, like I said, if we're going to wear the T-shirt, we have to talk about the the, the clothing as well, right? So, uh, so I, I find I, I find that's that's very important to me. Um, and the drunk the drunk guy in the in in the beer tent um, has a valid voice too. And sometimes when you when he gets listened to, that's the last thing he says that night because he just shuts up and he and he listens yeah. to the music because then he realizes that. The focus was on him, and 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 maybe he's he's not being polite to the people around him, right? Um, or or conscious of the people around him. So so that's just a handy little way of going. People want to listen, and and you may be taking that away from them a little bit, and and that usually works. But but never certainly never do it aggressively, and certainly never um, never never make people feel alienated or or uh, you know spotlight on them because that's not nice either and you know you don't want to call people out that's right. that's a really negative thing to do and, and it has it has can be quite detrimental to people especially people who are very self-conscious and stuff and so uh, so I try not to do to, to do that um, but there is there's interaction in the crowd like I don't do a set list um, I always vibe off what is what is coming from the crowd I always know what I'm going to open with always mm-hmm. And then I'll go from there, um, and uh, and that usually works. That usually works for me. Yeah, yeah. But you definitely get some. You get some uh, pushback. Like I had a gentleman today tell me that, um, you know, he liked my stuff, but he thought that my anti-American stuff was was uh, was not warranted here in the valley because um, they people here quite love America. And I said. It's very typical of middle-aged white men not to listen to the whole story because <laughs> I, yeah, and he was like, what? And I was like, because I actually said I love America and I love Americans and we can't, we got to stop this mockery of, this mocking of Americans. We've got to give Americans our support. But for some reason, he blocked all of that part out and all right. he heard was anti-American and, you know, anti-Americans. And I was like, you got to, if you're going to, if you're going to, you got to listen to the whole, to, to the whole thing, mate. Because you're not, uh, you're not actually getting at all what I was saying. In fact, you're getting the complete opposite of what right. I'm saying. But you know, but but then we talked. You know, we had a we had a good conversation, and, and he apologized, and and uh, and it was great. And and that's what it's about. It's about the dialogue, right? Off stage is just as important as on stage. You you are like someone who has established this, like I guess brand around that yeah. dialogue. Yeah. And. We live in a world right now where there's a lot of, of younger people mm-hmm. in their you know their their teens mm. 
and and in their 20s who are who are very excited about performing and the the transformative power of art. Yeah. But I feel like the dialogue is a little bit missing. Yeah. If, yeah. If you could give advice to mm. people in that age range who are mm. just like on fire for for social justice and for LGBTQ plus I I I I can't remember all of them, okay. but they're all included. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, like that, who are who are passionate about those issues mm-hmm. and want to share it through their art. Yeah, I mean, the one thing you have to remember before I would give out any advice is that, um, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, I was probably twenty-five before I knew what I was talking about. Uh-huh. I thought I did. Yeah. Right. And and as earnest and as you know, well-meaning as I was, it was really self-indulgent stuff I was I was going on about. So, I think it's um, it is taking the time to to really do your research. It's great to be passionate. And, and we had a time there where we thought passion was a negative thing. Passion's never a negative thing. It's a great thing. Um, and what you see from, it's not just teenagers, it's preteens. We're seeing, you know, uh, you know Greta from Sweden, like doing the sit out oh, on Fridays. Yeah. Like, this, is a, this is a time where, where you know, we, we've got to listen to the youth because the youth are going to vote and the youth won't tolerate what's, what's been happening. Um, and I think, and I think it's very indicative to why we see a rise of uh, the right in Europe and in the States, and in, because it's the last bastion. They get their vote in before the youth come up and just obliterate everything. Right? It's like you're no longer valid. You're no longer valid. Your thoughts are no longer. So everybody's like, oh, we have to vote. We have to vote these people in. And so you see the rise of it in, in, in uh, you know, in Europe. Um, and in and in uh, Australia and, uh, and and you know it's it's creeping in here in Canada you know and I think I think that's because we're seeing this this kind of oh God this youth that's coming up they can't vote yet maybe they can't vote for six or seven or eight or ten years so we've got to get shit done now and that's why people are, are you seeing this rise of the, and people are, who are, who shouldn't even hold actual jobs are now being voted in to the highest of political echelons right um so i think i think that's exciting because they're doing that because they know what's coming and this wave that's coming is 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 very excited they're much more aware they've got an encyclopedia in their hands (laughs) with their smartphone they can quote uh you know things in in a nanosecond um they're getting better at mobilizing peacefully mobilizing um, so I think with, with you know we kind of went off your topic about the question a little bit, but I think the advice I would give is is from a from a performance point of view is to is to completely be honest with your audience, completely be honest. Uh, there's no greater gauge of bullshit than an audience who have been waiting to see you. <laughs> so true. Right, and so they have no time for it. They're they're hard at work Monday to Friday. Uh, or shift work, or weekends, or whatever it is, uh, and and they can they can smell it a mile away. So just be absolutely honest, and be able to back up what you're saying, because if you say something from stage, and then ten minutes after you get off stage, someone wants to come and have a conversation, and you've got nothing to back it up, you're dead in the water. And not only are you dead in the water in that moment, but you've just watered down everything that you've said on stage. So really back up and know your stuff. Simple as that. 
I think that is a, a perfect ending point. Thank you so much for taking it's a few minutes. It's been my absolute pleasure, strangely. I, absolute pleasure. I just wanted to bring a piece of what you were sharing this weekend to my listeners. And I appreciate it. I hope to see you again out there on the road. Absolutely. Thank Take you. care, man. Take care. So that was my chat with Irish Mylan. I hope I did all right. That, like, that was the first time I have interviewed someone for this podcast that I did not personally know before sitting down to interview them. And she was just so patient and kind and just had so much heart. It's, it's really, really wonderful to get to meet an artist who goes up on stage and does such a big personality and a big performance and just runs a 2,000 person audience the way she did who can also sit down and be real and open up the way she did even though we our conversation was rather short and I just I appreciate getting to talk to her so much here's a thought not so long ago I was at a small festival which is very dear to my heart I was talking to a friend in that festival's community who had well he'd messed up He'd crossed a line, and the community wasn't quite sure how to handle it. People seemed to be looking through him. I sat down with him for a bit, and we had a heart-to-heart. During our chat, he said something which burned itself into my heart forever. He said, I'm not here because I think I deserve to be. Without hesitation, I replied, I think all the best people here feel that way. I don't think there's anything particularly wise about what I had to say in that moment. It's just what I believe deep in my heart. I don't believe anyone deserves to be here. And yet, here we are. So maybe we should start acting like it. The world is full of people who seek what they can take. Take a souvenir. Take a photo. Take a story. If all we do is take, things will fade away. As a child, I picked up a stone on a mountainside, intending to take it home with me. My mother told me to put it down, explaining that if everyone took a stone, the mountain would disappear. When Beethoven died, his body was laid in state for public viewing. So many people took a lock of his hair that before long his head was stripped bald. Everybody wanted to keep a piece of the composer, even though, in a way, their piece ends up taking something away from everyone else. I'm here at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and I can't help but remember earlier Fringe Festivals that I've attended. For the first five years that I was coming here, I was a street performer, and I would perform up on a street called the Royal Mile, which is this like sort of beautiful cobbled avenue that flows right out of Edinburgh Castle and down to the bottom of the hill where there's a pub called the World's End, because that's where the gates of the city were. And so it was literally the end of the world, because... After that, you were just out in the countryside and, you know, there were bandits and wolves and probably lots of Scotsmen. Uh, So, it you know, it was the end of the world. So it's sort of this, like, mile of street. And along it, there are all these places where performers uh, do street performing during the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And so I would perform down there. And it was amazing how many people would come and take photos of buskers without tipping them. Now, it's not a one-to-one. I, not everybody who takes my photo in a public place who doesn't tip me bothers me. There's some people who 
you know, are very lovely and they sort of smile and point at their camera and, and sort of make a questioning face. And that's that's fine. I, I don't mind sharing that. But it, it's when someone comes by with one of those giant camera lenses the size of a fishbowl and, and points it at you and takes a bunch of photos and then doesn't even tip or leave their business card or anything that it really hurts. I mean, to add insult to injury, I've actually seen postcards with my face on them for sale that I had no conversation about with the photographer. And so what does this have to do with taking a lock of hair or what my friend had to say? I, th I think it's, for me, that idea of recognizing that you're not at a festival or at a home or at a show because you think you deserve to be. It's about finding the moments that you can share and the things that you can give. You know, I, I often run afoul of folks when they hear me bad-mouthing tourists. It does seem hypocritical for someone with as many stamps in their passport as I have to have negative feelings about travelers, but that's just it. I don't have an issue with travelers. I have an issue with tourists. I think tourists are the people who take photos, who take stories, who take ideas and either represent them as their own or keep them and hoard them. And I think travelers are people who seek to share something, who seek to add value, who seek to give. When my friend said, I'm not here because I think I deserve to be. And I responded, I don't think any of the best people here think that they deserve to be here. I was thinking about the difference between tourists and travelers. And I think if we can all be a little bit more traveler and a little bit less tourist, we'll have better experiences when we visit other places. I need more coffee. <laughs> I'm going to close this week by explaining a little bit about what fringe festivals actually are. Uh, because people constantly ask me this, and since I'm going to be doing a lot of episodes from the Edinburgh Fringe Festival over the next couple of weeks, I thought it would be appropriate to sort of explain this uh, <laughs> once and for all right here on the podcast. So what is a fringe festival? A fringe festival is a festival on the edge of another festival. It's kind of an odd thing here because the edge festival is hundreds of times larger than the main festival. It all dates back to the Second World War. At the end of the Second World War, most of Europe had been flattened by the fighting and the bombings and everything like that. And some of the folks who were working on rebuilding Europe got together and thought, let's throw an arts festival that will sort of encourage culture and exchange and, and just give people something, a big project that is, you know, exciting and fun and less of a downer. So they decided on the city of Edinburgh because that was the city that had been the least damaged by all the bombings and things. And through the first annual Edinburgh International Festival, it was something like a dozen ballet companies and orchestras from around Europe were invited to perform in Edinburgh. 
all very well and good, except for the fact that they didn't invite a lot of local orchestras, ballet companies, and theater groups to perform. So the local orchestras, ballet companies, theater groups, etc., decided to throw their own festival <laughs> on the fringe. Uh, and they were doing their orchestra performances in underground, underground clubs and pubs and, you know, rundown theaters and things. And, and anywhere, dance halls, anywhere that they could kind of get a space that weren't the big opera houses that were being used for the Edinburgh International Festival. Within a couple of years, the Fringe Festival grew to be larger than the International Festival. And I think a big part of that was its inclusive nature. Uh, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival now is an open invite festival. If you show up pay the registration fee and find a spot to do your show, you can do your show. No one's vetting these shows. No one's previewing them. No one is, you know, censoring them. And it leads to some incredible creativity. I can't wait to share some of my friends and fellow artists from this festival with you folks. I have been looking forward to taking my little portable recorder out here all year. And I hope you enjoy the upcoming weeks. That's it for this week's episode of Strangely and Friends, the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and uh, viewing this podcast. If you'd like to see some of the photos I've been taking here at the fringe of my friends and their shows and things like that, check out strangelyandfriends.com or head over to patreon.com strangely to see some of those photos of my journeys. This podcast is entirely listener-supported by you folks on Patreon. If you head over to patreon.com strangely, you can find out how you can help support this podcast and help me make more of whatever this is. I'm producing this on the road, so it is not being made at Sonic Suitcase Studios this week. Instead, I am in an empty theater at Sweet Venue's Novotel. I believe I'm in theater number one, and a show is about to bump in, so I really have to finish up this recording. Anyway, I'll see you all very soon. Thank you so much for listening. Cheers. What did the dog who drank too much the night before say the morning after? What? Man, I feel rough. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.